With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. in between. Live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow us on the Paranormal and the Sacred on Facebook and for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. And we are translated into many different languages and our listeners, for listeners outside the country. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744. And the paranormal and the sacred is every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And then during this show, I have uh, I take questions in order in chat, where you may, you may call in and, with a question and talk with our guests. And any buzzkillers in chat or on the phone, will be unceremoniously kicked out, booted, and I have a copy of your number and all your information, so I'm going to call you back and bug you like you bug me, so don't bug me. And so please play nice. Uh, I have a, many uh, announcements. Uh, uh, this weekend, August 8th to 10th, Contact in the Desert Conference is going on right now. Yvonne Smith, along with many, many other uh, very uh, fantastic speakers will be out there, but it is hotter than heck out there. It's 100 degrees right now. I'm getting calls from the desert, and it's hot out there. But if you want to go on over there at 8 10, you can see all these speakers live, and uh, it's kind of amazing. And uh, August 24th, the end of this month, uh, we will be have the serial meeting at our Burbank location, and also September 20th, Serial International is featuring researcher Grant Cameron. And I just want to let you know that he'll be our, in our spot in Culver City, and I'll make more announcements next week. And next week, our guest is going to be Jim Tennyson, a fabulous uh, military eyewitness to some UFO, and he's giving you some information. He's also uh, author of a few books and co-author. And also, soldier uh, Mark Harrison is going to be in, and we're going to speak with him. And tonight, I have a couple of extraordinary friends who... Uh, has really been so supportive of this whole year. Uh, it's been very amazing. And it's Edwin and Marcia Becker. And Edwin and Marcia Becker are a very creative and active couple who have been interested in the paranormal when they moved into an extremely haunted house. Edwin Becker became a best-selling author of the release of his book, True Haunting, in 2011. And what happened to them as a young couple with a new baby in their new home? And Marcia Becker co-hosts the Paranormal Angels with radio show with author uh, Geraldine Palmer. 
both. And uh, also Marcia makes these beautiful rosaries and has made several for the Vatican, and I have uh, two myself. And uh, anyway, their case was actually a sci-fi paranormal witness, a record-breaking season finale, The Tenants. So you can find that, and I think I posted it on the event page if you follow with the event. And I'm going to welcome them aboard right now. I want to welcome you live with Paranormal and Sacred, Marcia. Hello, Char. Hi, Char. Hi, you guys sound great, great. How's your uh, weather and everything over there? Where Hot you are? and humid. <laughs> Hot and humid. Hot and humid. Oh, uh, you know, but this that's is just beautiful. It's beautiful here, and I really want to thank God for that because it's beautiful. I can't even tell you that it's 74 degrees here, beautiful. Wow. It's strange in L.A. right now because it's so perfect. I can't tell you. It's It's heavenly. But no, at this time of the year, at this time of the year, I call our state Missouri misery. <laughs> misery. <laughs> I'm living in misery. Yeah, it's oh hot. God. Well, that's why you have to have that swamp cooler or whatever is going on over there. And uh, we, I have fans. We don't. I don't really have air conditioning and all that because we don't need it yet. But you never oh know. God. You never know because you know we get that heat sometimes in September. So anyway. Um, and and before we go on to uh, you guys' personal story, uh, you guys do have a, a announcements to make in an editorial about uh, some some concerns you have, and I welcome you to uh, use this forum uh, just to tell us what's on your mind tonight. Thank you very well, much. Ladies first. Marcia. Okay, um, as you people that listen to my show know that we really come down kind of hard. We're trying to address the issues of today and trying to get people to see things in a better light. This is what's going on, okay? Lately, there's been uh, a lot of silly nonsense going on on Facebook. People are demanding that we take sides. And I'm sitting there going, what the heck? Are we in grade school? Um, I am asked, Quite often, as a matter of fact, how can I be friends with certain people? And here's my answer. First of all, who am I to judge? Does the term glass houses mean anything? Because I don't think any of us can start throwing stones. And next, you know, God says love one another, not pick and choose. It's so easy to love the sweet, the kind, the gentle. It's very hard, very difficult to love the nasty, the unkind, and the one that seems to make life hard. To me, those are the very ones we need to love the most. They need it the most. God put them in our paths for a reason. You know, I'm not a judgmental person. I'm far from it, and I'm not going to start now. And, you know, I'm not an idiot. I have limits. Abusers, haters, molesters, murderers, nope, they're not in my book to love. And I, you know, I'm not going to make any apologies. But I get not all people can be won over, okay, or even deserving. But we might be very surprised at how lovable that person is if given the chance. And, yes, I do. I get disappointed and I get my feelings hurt a lot. But I also get very loving friends. Sometimes, just sometimes, it's good enough. Even the cranky and the self-centered borderline bully has a heart. It just takes a little longer to find it. 
And if you choose to take sides, okay. But to demand I do, no. Who's the bully now? It appears on the surface that I've lost because now both sides are mad at me. And my answer is it's their right, their choice. I did not lose. They did. They lost a good friend. This taking sides garbage is childish and hurtful, and I will not be bullied into it. I will continue to love the unlovable as well as all of you. So take sides. Nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm on the side of God, and whether he is, I am. And I really have to say that this is getting hurtful to a lot of people. And this, you know, constant nitpicking and constant little stuff that really amounts to nothing. And that's what we're seeing going on. We need, you know, on our show we say we support each other, and I honestly, I believe we do a very good job of practicing what we preach. I love to support other shows. I love to support other people. I encourage everyone to do that. I think investigators need to start sharing information. Um, We're all in the same boat. We're all trying to figure this community out. We're all trying to figure out the paranormal. You know, how about pooling our information and our ideas rather than spending and wasting time nitpicking and pulling each other apart? Uh, So, you know, I'm just saying. That's just me, but that's the way I see it. Is it my turn now? It's your turn. Yeah, it's your turn. Boy, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, my belief is, my, my, my belief is, you know, some people need kindness. Others need a kick in the ass. Just choose, oh. wise, just choose wisely, you know. Marcia and I, you know, we don't uh, use friending as a weapon. It's something that I'm seeing that's just absurd, is people uh, friending and defriending each other like if it was a weapon. Yeah. And to me... Uh, we don't have a reason to defriend anyone. I mean, there are two reasons. One is uh, if uh, someone appears on our page, and let's say they're using uh, an inordinate amount of uh, obscene language, they get the boot because my grandchildren read our page. Uh, Or you've got people today who are, uh, at my age, you know, at 60, I don't understand selfies, but... (laughs) You'll get these people that take their selfies in the medicine cabinet mirror, and they're a little bit too explicit. And uh, so I might defriend that and get that off of my page. But typically, I, I, I try to avoid conflict. And Marsha and I both have weak hearts. And uh, if we get our adrenaline up, it literally can make me sick. It'll, it'll, I'll get physically ill. So I like to laugh. I like endorphins. I like to have fun. Uh, and on the subject of paranormal bullying, I'm going to give you some examples. Uh, I'm going to try not to use uh, names. No, no, no. I, I'm even going to try to avoid gender, so so uh, okay. I don't want to pick on anybody or be accused of being a bully myself, you know. Uh, but my experience with the paranormal bullying is who is the paranormal, who is doing the bullying? Because Marcia and I have been bullied or try to have been manipulated by more people who are anti-bullies than by people who are perceived as bullies. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you, you know, the, probably our most hurtful example, because this hurt Marcia and it hurt me too. We had a good friend 
And by good friend, I mean we knew each other personally. We would talk on the Skype and on the phone, and we were uh, concerned with each other's lives. And uh, that friend ran into some terrible circumstances. They had to leave their home. Uh, they had to go to a climate that was much colder, uh, and they had to leave with nothing. And one of their friends put out a, a call and said, can people donate because they're stuck in this cold climate. They don't even have winter clothes. So Marsha and I donated generously as, as much as we could. And is our friend, and a friend in need uh, is, is something we try to address. Uh, well, a few months go by, and this good friend, who's near and dear to our hearts, contacts me and says that if I don't defriend a certain person, that bad things are going to happen to me. Now, I don't know what they meant by bad things because they don't realize who the hell they're talking to. Uh-oh. You know, <laughs> I got 50 stitches in my knee. I got another 20 in my arm. I got 12 on my chest. How much worse could it get, you know? He's bad at it. <laughs> so, but but they, 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 they went ahead and, and they, they made this veiled threat. And, and they're, a, they're an anti-bully person an outspoken anti-bully person. Yeah, right. You know, but here they are trying to manipulate me, and I said, no, you know, take a leap. Uh, I, I don't play that. This ain't kindergarten. And uh, so they, unbeknownst to Marcia and I, we were defriended. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, payback is kind of a bitch because they're in business, and uh, I didn't know I was defriended. So I, I was actually bringing them a customer and I was going to put them in touch with this customer. And then I found out that I couldn't communicate with them because they defriended me. So they, they lost the customer. So, uh, but well, that, that, was, that was the one that kind of hurt us. Uh, you know, and uh, now these anti-bully people, I don't know if you've seen the patch. The symbol well, that they, they Have you seen that no. yet? Oh, wait a minute. What does it look like? It's, it's a round patch with a skull on it. Yeah, I've seen that. It, it, and it says, uh, you know, we, we don't, we're against bullying or something like that. Yeah. And, and you know, it takes me back a lot of years to my Chicago kid days when we had gangs and we all wore our colors. Uh, you have to put a patch on your page to say that you're anti-bullying? That's kind of you a know, given, I hope. I mean, should I put a patch <laughs> on my page to say yeah. anti, I'm also anti-murder? I'm anti-rape, I'm anti-child abuse, uh, I'm anti-drunken driving, uh, you know, and, and the patch, the patch is one ugly patch, it's got a skull on it, which I don't know what that has to do with paranormal. Well, it's a big, is it a big white skull, and then kind of like, uh, almost like Day of the Dead, is that the one? No, yeah, I don't know, it, I haven't it's, seen it. It's, a, it's a, a patch that any Hells Angel would be proud to put on their vest, all right? Okay, uh, all right. So now the anti-bullies are, are creating a gang, uh, and which I think is just completely bizarre. Uh, it, it's against, you know, it should be against their philosophy. Uh, but, you know, that's, that, that's what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I had another one of my friends uh, come to me, and we had a mutual friend who did something that this other friend found distasteful. So they came to me and they said that I should condemn this person publicly for what they did. 
And no, I, I tried to explain to them, number one, no. I don't control my friends. I don't control their thought. I'm not responsible. Uh, and, no, I'm not going to condemn them publicly. Well, then they went and they, they defended both Marsha and I. And uh, the, you know, the ironic part is their spouse is still a friend of ours. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. do the same. I, w- I wouldn't hurt their spouse by, uh, because we don't agree. But, uh, yeah, you're getting to where people are saying they're trying to control who your friends are and, and uh, what you're responsible for. And it's bleeding over. You know, I consider you and, and me and uh, Marsha and certain people professionals in radio. And Thank you. I book hosts for Marsha's Angel Show. I book guests, and uh, I try to find good guests. I interview them, and I don't look at anything other than the fact that are they interesting to the audience? Are they good at the subject matter that we're addressing? And you know, are they are they a good interview? And uh, I recently, okay, I booked a guest, and I had another radio host. You know how you know how a private message is a long thin snake of words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, they they emailed me like a, a freaking manifesto. Dang, on, I can't take too much of that. Myself. No. <laughs> yeah, and it was all about my pending guest. Oh dear. And his yeah. background and, and everything else and why they didn't like him and why I shouldn't have him on the show. This is a man of God, and I'm like, oh, please, don't. Oh, yeah, it, well, and the person who's doing this <sighs> is also known to be a very uh, supposedly religious person, and they were just slamming the hell out of this guest. And, uh, of course, I told them to take a leap. And He's uh, good at leaping. The guest turned out to be one of the best we ever had. We Very had, kind we, man. We had a record yeah. audience, oh. and and I didn't oh. care about his past or his history or his circumstances. All I cared about is that they're a good guest, you know. And if you check further, you know, you've got this blog, and I'll again, I'll leave it nameless, but it is a blog that addresses uh, fraud and paranormal. Okay, and I, I went yes. to see this website and this blog, and. I was reading about uh, a certain individual that they were they were slamming because uh, he was been a bad boy. Okay, <laughs> but toward the end of this write up, this guy gets into criticizing this person's personal life. You can't, yeah, I went too and their far. financial circumstances. And mm, that's not right. No, no it's it, not. No, it, it was it was something that was just totally unacceptable. Right. And. Uh, I, I just think the whole paranormal community better kind up. They better decide to start being kind to each other, be more accepting of each other, and uh, watch what they're doing personally. Forget about what everybody else is doing. Right. Uh, you know, one of the things that I see clearly is that there is no paranormal police. Um <laughs> I don't see how that would work, but yeah. You know, I mean, we all know that there are some people out there that are bad people, that are fraudulent, that are doing wrong things. that's everywhere. Yeah, that's... Now, I can mention one name now because it won't hurt anything because it's it's common knowledge and uh, everybody knows that name. But Ryan Buell, okay, 
Yes. We all know what he did. Yeah. Okay. And, and I mean, today we all know that. Yeah, he he took he scheduled events. He sold tickets that uh, for events that he never even booked. He he took people's money, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. All right. Now today I can say that, and I won't get any hate mail, or no. I won't get any bad emails. You because, might, because it's very, very public. But a year, a year ago, when some when someone said that, they were condemned. They, they were condemned. They, they, you know, they were a hater. They were they were this. They were that. And even the people who wound up getting fleeced by Buell were still supporting him. And I, I was thinking, what the hell kind of IQ did some of these people have? Becker, uh, I, I'm sorry. Oh, you're going too far. No. I, I'm sorry, but you know he. he uh, because he did it over and over and over again, and uh, but well, my point is, him, you know, yeah. Well, my 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 point is that the first person who came out and said, "Hey, this guy's he stealing money," the, the, our, our paranormal community had a tendency to kill the messenger. Yeah. You know, it was kill the messenger. We don't want to hear it. Uh, we, you know, maybe you didn't like the message. Maybe you didn't like how the message was presented. But no one wanted to take a good look at it and see that, hey, there's substance in this uh, allegation. And uh, well, we, we, should, we should listen more. Now, I'm not saying listen more to the bullies or the haters because right. uh, once it gets to a level, I mean, I've seen some people, because they go to a level of name calling. and It's like kindergarten, for Christ's sake. Uh, I'm against that. And... Uh, I just think that everybody should grow up, and I, and I really think the people who are anti-bullying are becoming the bullies. They're starting to try to dictate who everybody else has friends with, or if someone has an opinion that they don't agree with. And like I said to you before we went on the air, if two people always agree, one of them is unnecessary. So friends should have a relationship where you can agree to disagree. Right. And, right. and respectfully. Yeah, and and, and <clears throat> you're under no obligation. What investigate what you're what everybody's talking about. So if I right. hear something going on, I have a gut feeling first of all about something. But even with my gut, I still go and do the investigation and see what the real news and scoop is. Exactly. You know I mean, before I open my big mouth. Oh, you That's the way I feel. You know, yeah, I, I you do bad, it the right way. I have a hot temper. I've really done a lot better, you know, and I'm older and I, whatever. But once in a while, you know, somebody, a real fraud really irritates the hell out of me. You it's know what your I mean? red hair. But, yeah, it is my red hair <laughs> and my, my uh, uh, I think it's the Scottish side. I can't really say, but. Anyway, <laughs> you know, but the thing is, is that just, uh, uh, yeah, somebody just uh, said it, buyer beware. You know, when you're doing yes. something, uh, yes. unfortunately, the one you're talking about with, with Ryan is is uh, a little worse because he has a, a reputation that people will follow. You yes. know what I mean? They really do want to hear more from him, so to be ripped off like that isn't right. But he's saying, I guess he's going to pay it back. I, I don't. I don't know how. I don't know if there are people who should have insurance on these events so they can get their money back. I don't know. But well, it, there's, an ethical, it, there's an ethical thing here going on. It, right. It's a far, uh, it's a far, it's a far sadder story than most people understand. It is. It's very sad. They, they all think yes. that it's. They all think it's just the tickets. 
it's not just the tickets. There are people no. who booked hotels, who paid airfares, who exactly. spent extraordinary amounts of money for for we're events that we're never going to. We're talking over two hundred dollars a person. Yes, and that's, yes. Yeah. Besides the fare, besides the the everything they've invested, you know that's why it's not right. It's just not like you're losing out your fifteen dollar ticket at the door. Right. This is, no, this uh, is some huge amount of money. And, uh, you know, they should get their money back. And I know there's circumstances, but you know what? Uh, legally, I think this is fraud and stealing. So everybody yes. Oh, no. It, yes. I guess the Attorney General in uh, North Carolina is going after him. So yeah. uh, there, there will be some restitution made, I, I imagine, well, they'll to, try. to ticket holders. Yeah. But, you know, my, my point is that uh, the paranormal community should be a little more open-minded and... Uh, and, and and more tolerant of someone who blows a whistle, you know. Now, assuming that they're blowing a whistle and they're just not throwing mud, mud at somebody yep. or slamming somebody. Too much mud slinging, yes. Yeah, I mean, but I, I can tell you our personal experience. I, I the last week it was like I didn't even want to be on Facebook. I had some people yeah. that were. I, I had people analyzing my likes. <laughs> so I got messages that oh, said, "You put a like on that person's thing." I go, "Oh, and, I'm sorry." And, 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 I, and I don't like that person, you know. And it's like they're looking at my likes. That's so you know. funny to me because we're we're kind of all three of us are kind of rowdy. I mean, I don't think we really pay attention to somebody trying to run our life. Like, exactly. Who you, really. You know what exactly. I mean, and you don't pay my rent. You don't. You're not my mother. You're, you know, ah, whatever. It's just so ridiculous. But I had somebody that was actually doing that to me and bullying me. So yep. what happened was I went after him, and it shocked him. <laughs> and he turned. And it turns out that somebody in another country. This I want you to say the country. This is because uh, anyway, I have friends in his country, and I said I'm actually going to have my friends go get you. It's in your country. And he was shocked. You know what I mean? Good. And that I did that, and actually the people did contact him. And he never touched me again, never came near me or anything. He turns out to be, uh, he goes to all the conferences, and he's kind of a little small Weasley guy that's so quiet. Yeah. You know, and why he yeah. took me, I told him, I, I said, Jesus, give me a break. I'm a great-grandmother. You know <sighs> what I mean? I can't yeah. answer all and he gave me these such long messages and everything else. And I know he was cutting and pasting. He wasn't really talking to me. So how can I address it? You know, it's too yeah. much content. I can't take it, people. I can't type that fast. I can't deal with yeah, it. Yeah, my arthritis yeah, doesn't allow me to. So yeah, typically I, I, it, I, so. I give people my phone number and say, let's talk. Yeah, let's and, talk. Because it was extreme. It was, it was a manifesto thing that was going on. So anyway, so... I'm really glad that you uh, give us a heads up on everything, and I hope that it, that it helps people move on, yes. forgive and forget, well, and you know, exactly. be mature and there uh, is forgive one each thing. other. But there nobody's going to bully me. Go ahead. There Go is ahead. one thing that everybody should realize, and I think you saw it on my page uh, in the last week. Hmm. I work with a lot of authors, and I support a lot of authors. Yeah. And a lot of times I've had people say to me, why are you doing this? You know, as if we're in competition. Yeah, it's not a competition. We're not in competition. No. And if you look on Amazon, let's say, and uh, you're going you're gonna to see Bill Hall's book when it comes out. And it's a good book. And I hope he has a bestseller, okay? 
because under his book, when you look on his Amazon page, it'll say customers also bought. My book mm-hmm. will be there. He's going to sell some of my awesome. books. And we're selling each other's work, and we should realize that. Instead of people being you know, at each other's throats, uh, I try to help every author I can that I believe in. I mean, there are, there are a couple, no names mentioned, where I know their story is bogus. I know, okay. So, no, I, can't, yeah. I won't endorse that. Uh, I just wonder. Yeah, it's a, I'm actually, that's why I even created a show, is because I wanted to support the artists and the authors out there. And yeah. we have a forum and people with a story, and generally that's it. So I do have the Paranormal and Sacred Book Club that I, I really, I think we all feel that way about books and uh, yes. about authors. And we just want to support people and their artistic efforts, period. That's well, you know, Sharp, being that, you know, Ed and I, <laughs> coming from the early days, before computers and before information, that's probably one of the main reasons we are doing this, because we were in a situation where there was no information, and we right. were stuck, and there was just, there were no real books out there was no real, there, of course, no internet, no computers. Uh, boy, am I aging myself. But they really, the more information, this is what I taught my kids when they were growing up. So consequently, they're very good about learning and reading. Is the more information you have, the better decisions you make. And the yes. better decisions you make, the happier person you are. So it's very, very simple. Why not? Why would we not support other people and their information? Why would we not give someone the opportunity to help other people who are who are scared? They're clueless. They have no idea what to do. I can't tell you how many investigators uh, that we've had on the show. And my first one of my first questions is, what do you do for the person? Mm-hmm. Because I know they can go in there and they can get their EVPs and they can go in there and they can get this and get that. Sometimes, unfortunately, rattling the place up and making it worse. Then they go home. Now, okay, they prove there's something there. Uh, unfortunately, when they go home, the poor people are still there and now the ghosts, the entities, whatever you call them, are really pissed off. And these people are in bigger trouble than they were in the first place. I want to see, and now I'm hearing more and more investigators say they are bringing gifted people, they are bringing people who can hopefully make some of these things go away and make life a little more tolerable for the people that are living in this house. Um, I We need more of that. We need a lot yeah, more of that. Well, I think the experts would know that... Uh, you know, if, if I know some investigators that'll go to vacant places, old asylums and old hospitals and things like that, where there's no human factor involved. But if an investigator is going to go into a place where there's people involved living with these things, they should declare their intent right up front. Yes. That we're going to come in here, we're going to get what we want, and then we're going to leave you. We're going to leave. Yeah. And, and as Marcia and I both know, once they do that. They've stirred up the hornet's nest again. So they're going to leave the people in worse shape than they were before they came. Uh, 
We envy, <laughs> we, we love and, and admire the investigators that have big um, time. Yes. That, that, that consider the human involved and try to help the human being. Maybe bring a gifted person. Maybe put them in, in touch with someone who can cleanse or attempt to. Uh, maybe teach them a behavior uh, like I was taught. You know, by my psychic and exorcist. I, I, I was more like uh, a Zach Baggins where I was screaming and yelling all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, I had no respect or regard for what we were dealing with. And the psychic and the exorcist said, you know, stop it. You're, all you're doing is feeding it energy. And uh, Well, let me, give, let me give you a really good example. All right, the night before uh, the NBC was going to show up and they were going to do the live exorcism, they asked us to leave and take the pets, the kids, everybody out of the house for a few hours. So we said, okay, and we did, of course. So we waited outside mainly. We didn't have money really to go anywhere. I think we may have gone and got an ice cream cone or something and came back. We didn't really know to do it ourselves. And we got the okay to come back in. And as we went back in, Char, I swear to you, I couldn't breathe. It was like the whole place was void of air. And it was the single most... I don't know if frightening is the right word, but I was actually afraid of my own house at that point. It, it was I felt like the house itself was going to harm us. Uh, you couldn't breathe. The air was very, very thick. Well, part, part of it was you didn't have to be an expert at reading people to when we saw the exorcist and the psychic sitting at the table. They were defeated. They were exasperated. Yeah. yeah. And we knew right away yeah. that, Something's wrong, you know. We did. Of course, they didn't tell us what or what they attempted well, to do. Let's, let's, uh, some people, uh, for our listeners that haven't heard this story before, oh. um, uh, Edwin Becker is author of six uh, books, and the one that we're talking about is called True Haunting, and it truly was a scary one. And that's the true story of the house that they had moved into. And I'll give them a little background on the house and that you moved in and. Uh, it was uh, very haunted. There was a televised uh, exorcism going on, and that's what they're talking about right now. Right. Yeah, we were, uh, Marcia was pregnant in 1970, and uh, we were kicked out of our apartment, our, our landlord. In those years, they could do that. They could just say no kids, no pets. Uh, they could advertise married couple only, working couple only. Uh, but we were booted out, and... Uh, I had great difficulty finding another apartment, so I wound up making a deal on this old dilapidated building. And, uh, you know, with, with, with young, optimistic eyes, I looked at it, and, and I didn't see anything that couldn't be fixed. Now, there was a lot of fixing, oh, yeah. but, but I, I just didn't see anything that the bones of the, of the, of the structure were there, and I figured that's all I needed. And uh, so I made a deal, and we bought this place. And what I didn't know was, yeah, it was occupied and uh, heavily occupied by the family that built it, I believe. Although, as I tell people today, you never get introduced to what's tormenting you. You know, it's something I tell investigators to be careful of because you'll go into a building, and you'll say, you know, you'll know that maybe a child died there. and 
uh, the investigator will ask, you know, is this little Tommy, and they might get an EVP that says yes, you know. They lie. You don't know what you're dealing with, and they're going to manipulate you. Uh, I mean, it's one of the reasons you want to stay the hell away from a Ouija board. But we bought this place, and uh, much like Paranormal Witness, I had to keep uh, the, the daughter, the one remaining daughter, in the building for 90 days. And she was just batshit crazy. I mean, uh, mean, and she was probably, I don't know if she was possessed or just insane. Uh, but she kept saying, we don't want you here, we don't want you here. And uh, she had this little dog that she'd cradled. It was a poodle, miniature poodle that was uh, gray. I think it was gray. It could have been white, for all I know. But it was as filthy as she was. And I didn't interpret that. I interpreted, we don't want you here, as her and her little dog Toto, you know. Yeah. in, in fact, it turned out to be a lot different than that. And, and Marsha can tell you more because she she felt it first. I, I I didn't feel anything. Now I was brought up in the inner city, and my parents were split up most of the time. So I was either with my father or my mother. I lived in low places. There was no feeling in that building that I hadn't felt before. So yeah, if the hair stood up on my arms, I didn't pay much attention to that. The coolness, I thought, was a benefit. We had one room that was really cool. And in the years before Central Air, it was like, hey, I don't need a window air conditioner, you know. So I had an optimistic view of everything, and I didn't pay attention to much else. Where Marcia came in cold and uh, had a whole entire different experience right from the get-go. Oh, yeah. No, mine was... uh Shy, you know, we've talked about this on your show, and, and it, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to put some of these things into to words because the words just don't, they aren't enough. And if if you say to someone, I walked into a house and I felt like the house didn't want me, it's, how do you say that? You know, so you sound like you're a wacko, wow. but it actually feels that way. It feels like the house is rejecting you the minute you walk in, and it, it's the dark. It, there was a word, and you know, somebody told me, and I've forgotten. I should write these things down. Um, there's a word for a darkness that the light can't penetrate. Well, that was this house. No matter how many lamps we turned on or windows we opened up, it, it's like it absorbed the light and spit it back out. It was the darkest house I've I had ever seen, and it was so not felt just instantly repelled. Yeah, and you you did feel that way. You felt as if you were walking into someone else's house, and not uninvited. And it's the best word I can come up with. I know it's kind of an abused word, but <clears throat> it fits. It's the only way I can describe it. I mean, sure. I saw yeah. some pictures. I saw some real estate pictures that are that were, I think, fairly current within the last decade. Anyway, no change. <laughs> and and uh, they, they had remodeled it, and, and they painted everything white, and they put a light floor on there. <laughs> but they did one thing that just made me laugh hysterically. In the dining room, okay, was a was a wall, and, and they had cut a hole in the wall, and they put a huge, beautiful window in, in the dining room that faces a brick wall. So, oh, boy. 
You know, you, you could actually open that window and reach out and touch the brick wall. Yeah. So there was no point in putting in this huge, expensive window. But Marsha and I knew why they did it. They, they're trying to bring any kind of light in that they could uh, because it, it would suck up the lights. Uh, it always has a gloom, had a gloom about it. And, uh, Very much so. And, yeah. on the, and on the first floor. first floor was even a little bit worse. It was darker. And... Uh, well, you know, I have a kitchen, and I, it's one of the first rooms. That, that's just, I don't know why, other than there was a row of windows where I could see outside, and there was the porch, which was enclosed, but still a very quick way to get out of there. And you you sort of think in the terms of, like, fire escapes, you know. It's that kind of thing. Uh, how fast can I get out of here? Uh, what's the best route for me to leave quickly? And, of course, the baby was always, always with me in the kitchen in her playroom, which was really part of the kitchen. Uh, in those days, the rooms went from, it was like a long hallway, and then the bedrooms were off each room, the living room, the dining room, and the kitchen. Very small place, but you know, that's how they were built then. And... Uh, I'm telling you, there was just, your mind goes to escape, fight or flight. Well, mine went to, to flight because I had no clue how to fight them. I was absolutely powerless. And that's a horrid feeling, especially, I think, for a woman. Maybe I'm biased, of course. But, yeah, being stuck, it is, you do feel powerless. And you just don't know, how do I fight something I can't see? And you can feel them, and they'll, you know, get in front of you in their way. Uh, things go flying off the walls. We've, Sharp, we've actually had people say to us, oh, well, wasn't that scary? And yeah, I, yeah, no, people, people <laughs> I, I have had a number of people write me and tell me that it, it, your book just wasn't that scary. No blood coming down well, the walls. No scared me. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> Well, the subtlety is what scares me. All the blood and gore coming out the walls, it doesn't scare me. But the subtlety of how the haunting creeps up on you and gets a little worse every day, it's insidious. And that scared me. It really did. It's uh, it's oppressive. And the oppression was scaring me. You know, yeah, yeah, it, 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 to, it, yeah. it's sad in the fact that you can't predict anything and, all of a sudden, uh, if something is moved, let's say my wallet were moved or my keys were moved, I'd right away accuse Marsha, <laughs> and, and, and they would create friction. Yeah. I'd say, what would you do with my keys? And then not until, I mean, she went home for a couple of weeks, and, and I was there by myself, and then when stuff started moving, I kind of knew uh, it, was, it was toying with me. And, uh, but, yeah, it's not, it's not, if blood came down the walls, God, we would have been out of there sleeping in the car. I mean... Yeah. I wasn't a fool. I, I was brave, but I wasn't that brave. Uh, it sneaks up on you. And oh, yeah. It took it months for me to even uh, admit it. I wasn't going to admit anything because it was like, how do you explain this stuff? You know, I, I, I rationalized. You were trying there for your family, and I would, we naturally want to shake off, you know, you have a plan, you're trying to do your plan, and... You know, uh, since it was one thing, you know, it's not like there's a big ghost standing there. 
you know. Marsh, uh, Marsh, Mar- I like, Mar- yeah, it's like. Yeah. Marsha's got our cat purring into the pond. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to get this cat. I'm trying to teach her to get off the counter and. <laughs> yeah, we adopted this little kitten. Literally, a little kitten came to our door, so we adopted it. And now it's a it's a devil beast. It, it, uh, <laughs> I think it is so too. And we named her Angel. Oh my gosh! Like, oh my god! <laughs> Not the right word. But no, I, I, in telling the story, I mean, I I drove Marcia I drove Marcia crazy because as a young man, I I just didn't believe in this stuff. Now I was spiritual, but the church doesn't oh, teach yeah. you. The church doesn't teach you about demons and ghosts. No, no, no. You, you know, you hear about the Holy Ghost and you hear about the Holy Spirit. Nothing holy uh, about that house. Yeah. But, you know, other things. And, and in those years, it wasn't like today where you can click on sci-fi and see a whole bunch of stuff. There was no sci-fi. There was no nothing. And our ghosts were very lame. I mean, it, it was the ghost in Mrs. Muir. It was Casper the Friendly Ghost. It was the Canterville Ghost. Well, they were all comedic, right. you know, they, they right. are romantic. No one thought, I, I, malevolence never entered my mind. So I, I had no fear whatsoever. And, in fact, you know, I used to tell it to get the hell out. It's my house, get the hell ah, out. Ah, yes, he did. And uh, I tormented it, you know. I tied, paranormal <laughs> witness had it right. I tied the door shut, and then I mocked um, that yeah. ghost. I mocked that entity. Oh, uh, Yeah. I said, you can't even break a string. You know, what kind of a lame ghost are you? And uh, I did everything that you should not do. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't but know any didn't better. Know. Yeah. Well, and, doors and, opened yeah. right in front of you, sitting there looking at it. They, they would open, and the the phone, you'd be going, going away to work all day. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the phone would act like it's off the hook. And just that's what the things that we're building up. And... Uh, Marcia, you just even saw something like floating in the kitchen. Oh, definitely. I mean, my mixer had these uh, big, heavy builder's nails that were in the walls um, that would hold, you know, various appliances and such. And one was my hand mixer. It would come at me straight across, which is physically impossible, and then drop straight down at my foot. Uh, now, I never got hit, but my, the point being is the things like the cabinet doors would fly open. That was, part was true. Uh, yes, dishes would fly out. Luckily, we had Melmac in those days, um, things like that. The, the odd thing here is the investigation went on, of course, uh, before they brought NBC over, and they took a look at everything. Were we near railroad tracks? Uh, were we near water? Uh, they, con- you know, they checked out everything. The house it was a very, very old house. Yes, it slanted. But see, the thing is, it slanted the other direction, and the doors would fly open against gravity. So, no, what was happening, even I understood, was not possible. Uh, but yet. Here it is, right in front of my eyes. It's going on every single day. We would, a, a story all the women shared, had the giant old farm sink, which today would be awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, they're very popular now. And I was just washing dishes and sort of just trying to keep my mind off of what was going on. And maybe I'd have the TV on or some music or something. And 
they would whisper to you and they would say things to you. If you hear it in your head, you don't physically hear it in your ear, but you hear it in your head. And it became to the point where you say, I don't even have the privacy of a thought because they know what I'm thinking. That becomes almost unbearable when it's a constant thing this thing or things, which is, we all know there were more than one, uh, they knew us. They knew our fears. Well, they, they knew, I mean, to the extent that I borrowed a very expensive, uh, in its day, a, a to- Sony reel-to-reel tape recorder. And because Marsha and I would hear audible voices, I, I would always try to get them on tape. And the minute I would hit the red record button, they'd stop. So I knew yeah. that either they were watching or they can read your thought, one of the two. Uh, but that's for sure. You know, they're, they're, if they don't want to be heard, they're not going to be heard. No, no. And that's the way it is. They're crafty. Now, you know, the, to me, the, the pain of it all for us was, aside from our own uh, relationship deteriorating during that time, was the fact that when we turned to someone for help, they laughed at us mostly. Yeah, <laughs> they, they either laughed yeah. or they they told us that, you know, you you guys are having problems, and you know, frankly, I mean, that's what I wrote it off to, when Marsha first started complaining. Uh, yeah, I'd call home and the phone would be busy. I thought she's on the phone all day, and I'd come home and I'd be angry because telephones were expensive. It's very expensive. You paid yeah. you paid by the unit even like locally. Ten cents a minute. Yeah. And and you had to lease the phone, you couldn't own one. Uh FCC regulated. So I I'd be you know, it was working us against each other. And uh I'd come home and I'd be incensed. I you know, and she'd look at me like, What did I do? And uh I had to laugh because uh, I did get a book review once where the woman she read the book. She loved the book. She gave me five stars, but she said, she has to say to this author, you were one objectionable young man. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, he was. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I knew that she got it because yeah. uh, that's I, I really was. I didn't want to believe in anything. Everything was just pure BS, you know. It, you saw what? Ed is a bunch of BS, you know. Well, see, Ed is a very logical-minded person. I am not. So you talk about opposites attracting. Uh, we are very up. I shoot from the hip. My heart is on my sleeve. And that's, I go through emotions and, and sort of what I'm feeling. Ed will logic things out. Logic made no sense to me. <laughs> and actually, yes. there is, it doesn't make sense in that world because it defies logic. So that made it even worse because... What do you do? What do you, you know? What do you do when you're you? You know you can't actually taste it, touch it. Uh, you know it's it's tough for investigators. I mean, this sure. one of the things I realized today. We had the uh, the Westbrook stay with us a few days. Paula and Dave, awesome wonderful people, people yeah, and, wonderful and great professional investigators. But I told them, I said, you know, when I read Facebook, everybody. Someone will post some evidence, and the clearer that evidence is, the more likely everyone's going to refute it. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, have, to, I have to laugh at that because when we, when we saw the old lady, 
we saw an old lady that was as as clear as I could see my own grandmother. I mean, we couldn't see through her. There was nothing scary about her. Solid apparition. Yeah, yes. If I would have had a camera, I could have got a nice picture of an old lady. But if I posted that picture today, everybody would say that's a fraud. That's just an old lady. What the hell do you expect a ghost to look like? You know. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, it was, was more on than one, Char. I think even Ed's forgotten. Uh, there were times where she had diabetes, the mother. And okay. so, you know, they say they live how they lived. Well, yeah, we would hear a wheelchair. Um, her, her legs gave out on her. And so you could hear a creak of a wheelchair. You also hear a wheelchair going down the stairs. Uh, one of her sons supposedly pushed her down the stairs was the story we heard she would also sit by the window as it turns out one of her sons lived on the block not in the house but he lived in another house there was a falling out and so this son no longer lived in the family home but he would pass the house every day and just stand there and look up and that just creeped me out. And so I say to Ed, you know, what is this guy is really making me nervous. He just stands there and looks up at the, at the window. Mm-hmm. Why? What is he doing? So Ed did some investigating and found out that, indeed, he was uh, one of the sons. And I guess he was going through a lot of guilt because he had turned his back on his family. And- I, I'm not sure what he went through, but... Uh, what happened was he was the eldest son. Yes. And and one of the younger sons had gotten married, and because uh, the father had passed away, uh, the younger son and his wife were given the second floor apartment, which was the one we lived in, uh, which the older son felt that he was the eldest. He should have gotten that apartment, regardless of the circumstances. So he left, and in fact he lived down the block, in a building almost identical to oh, her, yeah. but in much nicer condition. But mm. he'd stand in front of the house, and then I'd boldly go out there and stare at him, and he'd, <laughs> and he'd turn around and walk away <laughs> That's quickly. That. <laughs> but, but he would always be, you know, I'd always see him lingering on his way to work or on his way back from work or wherever he was going. Right. And uh, a long woolen coat, and he'd stand there and just stare at, at, at the building. It was kind of creepy. Uh it's like a lonely and, and longing feeling along with who was going inside. It's a very mm-hmm. a strange setup here, inside and outside. Yeah, it, uh, I don't know, you know, I, I you, have, you have a tendency, I, when I found the shed in the basement and it was all full of that, it, it, it wasn't pornography like it is today. It was very lame pornography of, of its day. But then there was also stuff that wasn't pornographic that he would make pornographic. Yeah. So he would cut body parts out of cartoons and body parts out of magazines. That's freaky. And, and yeah. yeah. So I, I kind of knew that that guy was crazy. <laughs> All right. And since yeah. the daughter had lived with us for 90 days, we knew she was crazy. Yeah. So I pictured a family of complete lunatics. Uh, now, whether that's what was behind the curtain, I don't really know. No. Uh, the exorcist thought that we had one hell of a demon on the first floor. Oh, yes. A demonic entity. He said, altogether, they both agreed that there were five entities. Yes. Uh, with two of them being fairly benign. Uh, 
but the rest, not so much. Yeah. But you know, having lived there and experiencing these things uh, today, I mean, Marsha and I can walk into a building, and I can tell you whether it's occupied. She can tell you whether it's oh, occupied sure. or not. In a flash. We know all the all the signs, all the feelings, having lived with it. Uh, we're conditioned to it, and uh, in looking for our last well, house, we we went to a house. That was beautiful. We wanted it. In fact, it was Art Deco, and it was right across from the hospital. We walked in, and we knew within and uh, walked back out <laughs> within minutes. Yeah, we knew it was like let's get out of here. See ya. Yeah. Bye. Well, you got to protect yourself. That's for sure. And I, I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just don't like haunted houses. I don't. I'm not like a ghost investigator or anything. But I have lived in haunted houses. But yes. um, I am not one of those that want to. I would like to help people and stuff like that, but I don't know what my purpose is in this whole thing. But I, I don't wouldn't want to intentionally go into a haunted house for some reason. I'm just not. I don't know. Well, not the type. I think Sean, a lot of our purposes is uh, really just to, we're kind. Of, I think we're kind of here to guide people in the right direction. Yeah, and it is. Mm-hmm. More of that kind of thing, because okay. Ed and I, I kind of do uh, because I feel I have something to offer the people there. Now, yeah. you know, whether it be just a little comfort, uh, I've been there, I know what you're feeling, let's talk about it. I can give them a little moral support and then let the team do their thing. But as like, no, uh-uh, we're not, <laughs> we're not getting involved in that direction. Uh, he's probably right, but at the same time, I feel so bad for some of these people who um, I get their wording. It's like I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I, I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And you're like, oh, God, I understand. Is there any chance you can leave? A lot of times the answer is going to be no. Oh, especially in this economy. Right. Uh, with so many yeah. people being underwater. uh with their mortgages and stuff, people can't move that easily. No. And, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, it, no. it's no different than Mar- than Marsha and I back 43 years ago. We couldn't move. Mm-hmm. We had no money. Uh, there was only one type of mortgage, and that was conventional. Yeah. And we did certainly didn't have that kind of money, and no one wanted children or pets. Uh, so we, for a while, we were stuck. And I think it was a, it was on your show that I told my guardian angel story. Yeah. That uh, yes, it was I, I wanted to ask you a question. Like, what was the reaction of your friends and your family <laughs> when this was all going on? We, we we quickly we quickly found out that not uh, good. Yeah, it, it wasn't good. And, and and truth be told, there are, there are some family members that didn't know the story until my book came out. We just stopped yeah. telling people. We stopped telling right. friends and family. Stopped talking about it because there was. Yeah. You know, once your church turns you away and other people turn you away uh, and they tell you you're crazy and you need psychological help. And, right. And I was even guilty of that because initially when we moved in and Marcia started telling me things were moving and stuff was happening, I swear to God, my first thought was, well, she's no longer, work, she's no, she's no longer working. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, she's no longer working. And she's trapped in this building, and she just had a baby, and her chemistry's changing. And, you know, she's going a little bit nuts. 
Thank you. And that's, you know, except that when I, when I found out that that's how people treated me, then I realized what Whoa. an injustice I had done, mm-hmm. you, you know. Uh, but, yeah, we had no one to turn to, so we just stopped telling family. We stopped telling friends. Yeah. Uh, our, our family really was not supportive at all. My mom would call, and I would be like, Mom, I'm so scared. And I'd try to tell her what's going on. She'd go, there's no such thing. Just stop doing this. Stop it. Stop it. You know, that's my, that was my mother's way of dealing with stuff. Just stop thinking about oh. it. Oh, I wish I could. <laughs> you know, I really like yeah. to not think about this. And we lost friend after friend after friend. They just, we, you know, being as broke as we were, but we didn't know. We were having a good time mostly. And we would have friends over, play cards all night, make scrambled eggs at 4 a.m. That was our way of living that was our joy and yeah. friends stopped coming when they even though they didn't want to admit that they were scared or that they saw stuff they did and it it never stopped i mean there was always something going on and they just quit coming over so you were very isolated that is another way they they get to you they isolate you yeah, people people would come over and and uh, they just wouldn't feel comfortable. No, and I I knew that I I didn't know it as a young man because uh, I never had a home per se, so I bounced back and forth as a child between parents and then I wound up in an institution for a number of years, and then when I came out I was a uh, a street punk for a few years and then I became a professional musician. And then I stayed in hotels and crash pads and places until I met Marsha. I mean, uh, so we I, I never had a real home. I didn't know what that feeling was. Uh, so I didn't. Today I recognize it when I go into a building. Sure. Whether this could be a home or not, or whether there's someone else, something already here living here. It's already occupied. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I didn't recognize the feeling of Campbell Street. I it was uh, I was headstrong and. and you know, coming from a poor background, it was my domain. I was the first landowner in my family. You know, uh, it was a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm that, not giving it up. You the, know, it's mine. The, the whole the, that situation <laughs> yeah. emotionally broke my back. Sure. Uh, when we did Paranormal Witness, that was the actual first time I had ever spoken public. Right. Uh, on the subject, and it, the director was an excellent director. He took me. He knew the book better than I did, and he knew exactly where to emphasize. And I had to stop him from rolling mm-hmm. three, three different times in, in two days. I had to say, stop camera. He brought my emotions to the surface. Right. And because, uh, you know, when you're when you're young and you're full of optimism and you're, you're going to have a child and a family and you want to protect your wife and you're looking at everything, you know, everything's going to be unicorns and rainbows. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it just all comes crashing down. And people are making fun of you. Your wife is unhappy. Uh, you've got nowhere to go, nowhere to turn, no one to talk to, really. It emotionally, it, it was probably the lowest point in my life. It was worse than having a heart attack. I've had two. and yeah. uh, uh, It really was. I mean, at one point where Marsha went back to Tulsa, to take a break, get away from uh, the situation. I can remember sitting there just burying my face in my hands, thinking, what the hell am I going to do? I thought, they're, they're, 
there's no way out. You know, my life is ruined. Uh, I do have to say this, though, Char. I got a little bit of satisfaction, uh, not because he was harassed, but because finally, uh, with that with me not being there and I being alone in the house, he saw and experienced a lot more than when I was there. And I was finally validated. I mean, finally he got it. He understood what I was seeing and hearing and feeling every day. And I think that really, if somebody gave me two therm, I would probably say that was the reason. I went back home for a couple of weeks, not only for the break, but so that he could see that, you know, I'm not going crazy. There's really bad stuff happening there. And I think that that was singularly probably the best thing I, I could have done because I think that really pushed us into gear to okay. say, okay, the only way we're going to get out of here is to really, I don't know how we can possibly stretch the dollar any more than we are, but there has to be a way. And, you know, I don't care if we eat Campbell's soup, <laughs> every single day we're gathering money there's got to be a way somehow we have to get out of here and so we well, that, that's where the the guardian angel came in and I, yes I, I left it out of the book i didn't know what to do when i what do you call you it know, right the, the, the whole so strange the, the strange the strangest thing the, ah. the, the strangest thing about the book itself actually is when i write a story i i, I take reality and I, I wrap my story in reality and I, I write as if you're sitting in front of me and I'm telling you the story. That was not the case with Campbell Street, with, with the True Haunting. True Haunting, I wrote for myself. I didn't consider the reader Therapy, one, yeah. one, one bit. I, I considered this is my diary, this is what happened, this is what my kids will read someday. And I, uh, but when I got to the part of how we got out of that house, I couldn't tell it because I, I felt... How do I explain this? Uh, I have a great memory, and uh, I could remember everything. If I could give you names and places and the attorneys involved and things like that. But here I was at a very desperate time, saving my money, every cent. I mean, we're talking about skipping lunch, eating peanut butter sandwiches, uh, walking places instead of driving to save a quarter on you know gas with a quarter a gallon. Uh, doing everything I can to save every damn penny. And for some reason, I found myself reading the real estate section. And there it advertised a house that was rather close to where I worked. And it said, uh, you know, owner desperate to sell, this, that, and the other. So I called the real estate company, and this is where my writing stopped in the book because I, I, think, I don't know if I made up a name or not, but I can't remember the name. Of the company now, and I, I can't t even tell you why I was reading the real estate section because I had no money. So I, these are things I couldn't explain. That I, if I wrote them, I, it was like I, I can't explain this. Uh, but I went and I called the real estate man. He said, "Let's have lunch," which was kind of unusual. Typically, they'd say, "Meet me at the office." So we had lunch close by to where I worked, and uh, I remember him being—I believe—had a German accent. And he told me about this building, and the people had bought, the, uh, bought a house in Wisconsin. They were moving. It was a two-flat building, two-story. 
they had had it built. Their family owned it forever. They were Italian and carpenters uh, by trade, woodworkers. And uh, we talked about it, and I said, that's nice. He said they'd take 25% off the price. So it was going for 24000 He said they'd let you have it for 18000 I didn't have it. I didn't have 20% down, $3,600. And I told him, I said, I'm, I'm out of it. You know, I'm sorry. He said, no. He said, uh, I can get you the money. And there was a bank that called the Bank of Ravenswood, which recently, I think, folded, actually. They were bought up by somebody else. But he said, go there. And he gave me a business card. He said, see this guy, fill out the application, and he'll give you your loan. Well, I, was, I wasn't that stupid a young man. I said to him, how am I going to get a loan? I don't have any assets. I have no collateral whatsoever. I have no equity in the building I'm in. Uh, you know, what's this going to be? And he said, don't worry about it. We'll call it home improvement. And uh, I went to the bank, filled out the application, and the very next day they called me and they said, you're approved. They never came and no assessor came to our, our, our Campbell wow. Street building. Mm-hmm. So I was so shocked, okay, this is the God's honest truth. I went to the bank, I got my check, it was a certified check, I went immediately to the teller, and I said, cash this. She said, how do you want it? I said, however you got it. So they put a bunch of bills, they gave me a Bank of Ravenswood bag, which I still have, and because I figured somebody somebody goofed up. Uh, you know, I don't deserve this loan, and they're going to figure that out in a couple of days, and they're going to want their money back. Uh, so I had the cash. that I went immediately to the realtor. I said, uh, you know, let's go look at the building. So we did, and it was beautiful, and it had it had a real nice feel to it. And the people were wonderful. They were an Italian family, and uh, they brought out, you know, some cake and coffee. And, and uh, I said, okay, write the contract up. I gave them the money. And uh, it proceeded into a bank approval. And I didn't tell Marsha until I got the approval, until they set a closing date. And then I told Marsha. But the real estate man was at the closing. He had, I had lunch with him twice. I don't remember what he looks like. I can't tell you for the life of me what he looked like. Or his name. Or his name or his company name. And it bothered me so much. That at one time I, I had like a, a a barrel. I mean, literally, a, I kept every receipt from the time <laughs> I, I've known Marsha. So, it's true. You know, I. You, it's funny to go back and look at gas bills that are eight dollars, and electric <laughs> yeah. bills that are thirteen dollars. But I, I looked at the closing papers, and I figured he's got to be listed there because it, there was a payout. Sure. And but it wasn't listed. No. There was no payout listed on my copy for his commission and to it went to. And worse than that, Cherry Yifton said, this is a man who can remember his kindergarten teacher. Ed has a well, memory that scares me. I mean, he can remember his first telephone number. Yeah, he would never forget something like that. Uh, just wouldn't happen. I, I just thought it was, at the time when I was writing the book, I couldn't figure it out. I was very confused by my lack of memory. And then it was some years later that I talked to someone who, they said that if you meet your guardian angel, that you'll never be able to remember what they look like. Or describe them. Right? Or describe them. Right. And boy, did that hit a nerve with me when they said that. 
It was like, whoa. That's because it. Yeah. Here I, I went and I, I got a loan that I didn't deserve and got out and got into a building that was clean. And we got out of those circumstances, and it was like it was like a true miracle. Yeah, I, I'll never forget that first night. Never ever, I'll never forget that feeling of going to sleep, not scared. Oh, nice. It was just yes, and waking up to sunshine coming through the windows. These sound like silly little things, but they weren't. They weren't silly at all. They, it was survival, and I. Don't, I think at that point I didn't understand how really scared I had been until then. And when I realized I could breathe and I could actually form a thought without it worrying if it's going to be hurt. Mm-hmm. It, it was unbelievable. And, but, you know, especially, you know, with Catherine, uh, with Christine, I was so scared because I thought, you know, how can I protect this child? And and you get into such a... Uh, protection becomes a way of life. It becomes a way of thinking. It, it's something that I didn't emphasize enough in the book, I guess. Uh, the one room that the priest did bless was, nah. was, was Christine's bedroom. And that is the one room where we never had any problems. Right. Nothing ever moved. There were never any sounds. She was never awakened. She was never, you know, crying uh, no. abnormally. No. So she was protected, and when she wasn't in that room, she was at Marcia's side. Yeah. So, yeah. There was just one time though. She had a, a, a rocking horse type thing, where you put the baby inside, and the the horse just sits very old. I don't even think they make them anymore, and they're balanced very very well. They're heavy, and there's no way they can really do much other than a little rolling and i would set her in there and then go about cooking or doing whatever it was a big kitchen and it was the only really it was the biggest room in the house so she would be and then i heard a scream and i turned over that thing had flipped over which was it could not do that there's no way it could do that especially with a child her age and it was weighted so there was it was impossible and this really isn't funny, but it is. Um, I looked down, all I could realize, my child no longer had a nose. And I freaked out. And I'm calling the doctor's office, just screaming. And he's laughing. And I'm, what? You're laughing? And you know, I said, why are you laughing? She has no nose. He says, Mom, look at her again. And I did. And, of course, she had a nose. But <laughs> there's no cartilage at that age, and her, no you know, gosh. it kind of flattened out, yeah, it was harmless, it didn't hurt Poor her, but, thing. oh my God, yeah, and, and it was just things like that, that yeah. put you into your fight mode, now right. I'm angry, now I'm really upset, and I'm screaming at these things, which was the wrong thing to do, and, but you know, you don't know any better, I, I was, I, I know with my neighbors probably thought I was nuts, and but they didn't. See, that's the thing. Um, I actually, she had a little swing outside, and I would go down just for air, for life, for human beings outside that were not inside that house. And our neighbors would be out, she'd be gardening or whatever, and she came over. Uh, this was fairly early 
we'd only been in the house maybe a month or so. And she called me over and I introduced myself and so she said, oh, so you, uh, you bought the house? And I said, yeah. Um, you know, and I said, we're trying to do the best we can. She looked at me very weird. It, it was a strange look. And all I remember her saying is, I'm so sorry. Well, and, that, that was that was basically wow. what we got from everybody, yeah. everybody in the neighborhood. They I mean, knew uh, how bad it was. They knew. Yeah, they, they saw. Everybody knew. Yeah. And uh, there was a fellow who uh, I think I described him in the book, where he cleaned out the, actually cleaned out the apartment uh, before we started painting, and added, he lived down the block, and he had a secondhand store. I, I literally gave him everything in the place to clean it out. Uh, but what he told me about the family was just god awful. And yeah. the next door neighbor told me more stuff that was god awful. Yeah. And uh, these were, people were not nice, or they were not liked, and only bad things uh, are going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we certainly felt that. I mean, I get letters uh, all the time, e- emails and messages and things from my website, and people ask me, uh, "Weren't you afraid that they're going to follow you?" Yep. <laughs> I, I personally, I was never afraid. I was, I was never afraid, and Marcia yeah. was petrified. But I, I knew that they were attached to that building. Yeah. Only because, in the end, the only way I put their behavior in check was I started to have legitimate thoughts. I mean, I knew I couldn't fake it, but I really started thinking about, I'm going to burn the damn house down. You know, how will you like that? And I believe that they knew that I that they could read that from me, mm-hmm. and it tempered it actually tempered the activity, and I I, I just uh, I never worried that they'd follow us, and they didn't. And uh, well, exceptional. It, it wasn't jar until this year that Marcia knows now <laughs> that I have the jar with the bullets in it. Oh, I would have killed him because <laughs> wow. we were warned don't take anything from that house you didn't bring into it I still have the jar with the bullets in it yeah. and uh, I didn't know that yeah I didn't either <laughs> wow. but well, I gotta tell um, you that, you know it went from get out get out get out to you're not going anywhere and hmm. that's when it started changing then you felt like I can't get out it's going to keep me here. It, you know, your mind works in very bizarre ways, but it started giving messages of, you know, your mind type of thing. Well, like hopelessness and intimidation, and yes. this is all that negative uh, lower yes. power stuff. They really oh, want you to you forget you. about yourself, uh, uh, separate marriages. You know, I'm sure there's sure. a lot of uh, that neg- negativity going on in a lot of, of haunted houses like this, and then in uh, they want to split families up. It's just uh, oh, a yeah. and horrible decline of a family that are going in there. I, I uh, interviewed Bill Bean, and his family fell apart. It was destroyed. Oh, yeah, I know. You know you're oh. so lucky that you guys stay together. Yeah, I get letters from literally <laughs> all over the world. And uh, yeah. people will have read the book, or they'll see Paranormal Witness, and uh, then they come to the website and they see family pictures and stuff. And, and I know, I love that. They, they, they like, how the hell did you guys make it through <sighs> that? Other than, how long have you, you guys know, been married now? 
We're in our 48th year. Yes, <laughs> our 47 year. We got 48. <laughs> I, I I count the European way. So yeah, yeah. I, my last birthday was I was 68, but I see that as my 68th year complete. Oh boy! So I'm now 69. Yeah. It was my 69th year. You are. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going there. And I, I count our anniversaries the same way. We had our 47th. We're now completing our 48th year. You uh, just have to have a big shindig on your 50th. Yeah, might as well. But you know, you have to. You, you, yeah, we'll crank up our pacemakers. Yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> our, our, our matching pacemakers. We, it's very. Um, we have a lot of people say just to go back, and I said, why? No, absolutely mm. not. And I think part of me, even though I, I'm much smarter now, know a lot more. Um, I don't seriously think this way, but there, I have to admit, there are still moments where I wonder. Do they know where I am? Yeah. And, it, and it's not logical. But see, these, this is not a logical situation. So well, Yeah, I, I would never go back because I know they would know who I am. Oh, I know they would. They would recognize me yeah, in an instant. They would. The funniest now, thing I uh, had, it, was, it happened this week. I got a letter, from, uh, a letter through my website from a woman. And for some reason... She only saw a paranormal witness, and she walked away thinking that we still live there. Oh, God, yeah. No. So she sent, me, she sent me a message, and she said, Mr. Becker, ah. she said, I would like to spend a night at your house. And apparently she was a woman of means because she said to me, price is no object. <laughs> and, well, <laughs> no, wow. we don't live there anymore. And I, I had to tell yeah. her, we haven't seen How- that house in 43 years. And now, don't how want has the to. Tenants since then? Do you know anything about what's going on with the house currently? It's, or? it's all been bad as far as we can figure out. There have been people. There, there have been some people who uh, have looked at it. I, I won't confirm the address ever, uh, but there have right. some. There are some people that. Uh, <laughs> right. it, it's got a long history of being for, constantly for sale. Right. Uh, it was foreclosed on several times. Yeah. It, it, I think I believe right now it's vacant completely. Again? Wow. Again. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. From what I could tell from the remodeling, where they cut a hole in the, to see a brick <laughs> wall, they they still must have had some problems. Uh, and, uh, but I, I never looked back. It was no. I, I had no desire. Well, I think uh, that's a good thing. I, I can't even. I mean, this is God's truth. That uh, YouTube video. I can't watch the whole thing. No, he can't. No. It, it physically, I, I once it gets into uh, showing the rooms and stuff, I start smelling the, the smells and yep. feeling the feelings, and it's like a PTSD. It's like, no, I don't even want to I watch this. I was just going to say that. Yeah, you have yeah. PTSD concerning that, and I don't, I don't blame you at all. And uh, what I was thinking is, uh, there's a purpose for everything, even that particular thing. How do you think it changed your your beliefs, and how how did it change you as people living there? Oh boy, uh, it made us cautious. I'll tell you that. It, it opened <laughs> number one. It opened my eyes to gifted people because uh, we got to meet Joseph D. Louise, and he am, he, am, he amazed me. Yeah, yeah. He amazed me, and, and if, if you can get it, 
I've been a better book salesman than he was, okay, because his book, Psychic Mission, ever since I started mentioning it now, it's gone. It was on the dollar shelves for a while. But <laughs> yeah, now you can't find a the, couple. The cheapest copy, I think, yeah. is on is Abe's books, and they want $165. Yeah. But if you read his book and then realize it was written in 1970. It's so before his time. His predictions. Yeah. So I walked away with a great admiration for gifted people. Uh, I also walked away with a great respect for true exorcists. Now, I don't mean the guys who run around saying I'm a demonologist, I got my certificate on the web and crap like that. When you meet a man who is ready to stand on his feet for 40 hours, 50 hours, and go face-to-face with a demon right. with nothing but prayer and a bottle of holy water. And there was a demon in that and, house. And if you have yeah. any intelligence at all and know about demons and their strength and their age and their power, you're meeting a special individual, okay? Uh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings out in the audience, but I'd say probably half the people out there that are claiming to be exorcists are not. You know, they're not because a demon... I think their hearts are in the right place, but... A demon will use... I mean, one of the things that he taught me was, is that you almost have to have a flawless character and have a mind like concrete because a demon will look inside you and he yeah. knows everything you've ever done everything that you've ever every been weakness. embarrassed for, every yes. weakness, and he will torment you with it. Yes. And you yeah. have to be prepared. Yeah, so I walked away with a huge respect for anyone who's a true exorcist. Uh, it certainly gave me a, it gave me an understanding of uh, another dimension that truly exists, uh, and it made me more spiritual, I believe in oh, God. Oh, yes, I, definitely, I mean, definitely. Uh, I, I, it did take me closer to God. It took me away, a little bit away from organized religion because yeah. of what the Catholic Church did to us. Right. But it did put me in a place where I, I was thankful to God and, uh, yeah. you know. And, and I mean, the day they told me I wasn't welcome in the church, I well, fell apart. That was yeah, my I don't know system. how I would take that. Yeah, that was my belief system. That's who I believed I could turn to when everything else failed. That was some person, a building, uh, people that would be caring and people that would, you know, do their best to help me. It really, I have to say, forced me to grow up, which I resented because <laughs> I kind of like being a kid. But, no, my really my true meaning there was that, yes, uh, they did, and they just flat said, and the stuff they told Ed that I didn't know until many years later. In fact, some of it only recently. Uh, believe it or not, Ed and I have, other than what you have heard, um, interviews and so forth, and there's more that we have never talked about, and even to each other, because I think yeah. the memory is too hard. Well. I've read some of the other writers' books, and they they talk about their dreams. And uh, I didn't go there in my book because mm-hmm. we had horrific dreams. But I kind of figured that's it's kind of like a duh. Yeah. You're living under those conditions. You're sleep deprivated. You're on edge at all times. You're not going to have good dreams. And we didn't have good dreams. No. Uh, so I, I kind of skipped that part. And I, I did take it pretty easy on my sister uh, because uh, some of the things that were done uh, 
child abuse wise were were kind of ugly and I'm very sensitive to that because I was a very abused child uh, I, I I skipped a lot of things that uh, let's say I didn't want my granddaughters to read uh, yeah. well, I think no I don't think that I think it was still too hurtful uh, most people don't understand situations like that are very hurtful and they cause a lot of pain and so it's very it's so difficult to really put yourself back there in the moment uh like ed was saying when they were filming us i went through that too and i said mark don't make me cry i'm not doing it on film i've seen people do that and it takes some credibility away i don't want to be one of those people and so he but of course he did that was his job he went to pull the emotion out of me i stopped filming several times as ed did because i didn't want to be seen as weak you know, that's silly. And well, actually, it it's, silly. it's funny. I don't know if you saw the picture that uh, one of my fans posted on, on the <laughs> yeah, web. Yeah, I saw it. That's my, I'm going to smack you in the head look. All right? <laughs> I could feel that. <laughs> so that must have been where. Well, every, yeah. every now and then, every now and then, uh, the director knew my book word for word. He Eminence was good at what he did. Yeah, he And he was, a, a, he was great at manipulating your moods and, and but every now and then, he would say something that wasn't in the book. He would say, you know, tell us about the dra- flying dragon in the kitchen or something. Yeah, like that. And I'd give him a look like, what the hell are you talking are about? Are you serious? You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and my guess is that if they could get somebody to agree with them, oh, they'd probably leave it on the film, you know. Uh, but I was very quick to tell him no. Uh, and we had a high creditability with, with Paranormal Witness because... Typically, when they have a family or collaborators, everybody gets filmed together and they all listen to each other, uh, I guess, so they don't contradict each other or whatever. Nobody came to my filming, <laughs> you know, and we, I didn't go to Marsha's, and neither of us went to dance. No. And uh, they kept saying, do you want to be there? And it was like, no, we, we all know the same dance story, you know. We don't want uh, to. Yeah. Now, Dan was your neighbor, your tenant, right? Right. Yeah, Dan, Dan was, uh, and uh, yeah, he went through a horrific. He, he, his story, I wish would have been in my book. It would have been two great, great, great chapters, uh, because Marsha and I never knew what was going on. Uh, and when his wife can left, also, we can you add it to your book? I didn't. Uh, I, I don't like, want know, to because I, I think. Yeah. I've sold a lot of copies. I, I don't, yes, you know, yeah. I, I do a lot of firsts on your show, right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't do. talk about how many copies I've sold, uh, mm-hmm. but it's tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, 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 I broke my author, my publisher's ebook record, and when you have an author on your show and he says I'm a best-selling author and he's got 40 reviews, that's BS, okay? Because when when best best selling, there's a big key to best selling. Best is something. Selling is the key, and it's really your publisher that says, "Hey, you just broke some records, buddy." You know. Uh, right. So no, I don't tell anybody. I because uh, in our society today, it's it's strange. It's much like when you're an elder today. You're, when you're an elder today. Uh, it's not uh people don't look at you with respect anymore or for wisdom. They look at you as a drag on their social security. You know. As an author, if I 
speak of my accomplishments, and I'm proud of them, is considered bragging or boastful. Yeah, or I'm hurting. Uh, I'm trying to make others feel bad, which is truly not. Uh, so I, I just keep everything to myself, uh, anything that I've accomplished or achieved. There may you know, but, be a but, second book. But like I said, sent you, you know, there is no ghost story that ever went over 300 five stars. Uh, right. I'm just looking at it now, and yours is a five star way over, uh, yeah. you know, it, it is a, it's a bestseller, and it is a five star, and I have... Uh, some of your reviews are, are, are great, you know, um, too hard. Well, you know, and, and, and I'll tell you, I should, I, it should be better only because uh, Amazon penalized me. Yeah, they do. Early right. on when the book first came out, I guess too many people used the term page turner. So I went to my, look at how my book ranked, and I realized it's missing like 11 five-star reviews. It yep. just they just disappeared. So I, or if I, you have too many five stars, that you lose credibility, so they so, knock them off. So I, com- I, 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 I went to Amazon early on, and I, I said, "What'd you do? Where, where did they go?" Yeah. And they said, uh, "You know, we we didn't think that they were valid because they used the term page turner. Everybody was using page turner." Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I I uh, complained and uh, I threatened them with attorney's action. And guess what they did? They punished them. They took 10 more away. Yep. So oh, my I'm missing. goodness. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I should have 21 more five stars. Today, I, I know better than to complain at all to Amazon. Yeah, don't say a word. Yeah, I would, yeah. If I ever get my book finished and on there, I'm not going to say anything. You can't. <laughs> they punish you. Can't no, you can't. They, they punish the hell out of you. And, uh, yes, I... Well, the reviews were exciting. Uh, it was, okay, this one is from Bookends, which was also... Give you an excellent review. Edwin Decker is an author of six gripping tales of horror that includes the true haunting, which is featured on our bestsellers list and various Aww. other bestsellers, lists, including Amazon. And if you are looking for a chilling tale, you can pick any one of these titles. And I actually have, of course, read the ha- true haunting three times, but uh, <laughs> also have read Vanished and Thirteen Tales and. Uh, you have a couple other ones out now. Vanished. I, that's when I have a suspicion. But it was all the truth. Uh, yeah, I, get, I get a lot of that. And I, yeah. I, I've gotten a couple letters where they thought I was ex-clergy. Yeah. Because uh, of the, because uh, of knowing the the, high, the hierarchy and the inside workings and the politics. Uh, now I have cur- clergy in our family, so we had a priest and two nuns in our family, right. and uh, and then growing up in a Catholic institution, and and spending lots of time with seminarians. Uh, I kind of knew how the politics worked, and, and I was also an altar boy, so I saw how the kitty gets split up after the Sunday collections, and uh, and you know, my eyes were open. But the reason for the book was that uh, everybody thinks an ex, uh, you know, a, a demon's just going to spit pea soup at you, and they only attack little girls. It's just not true. Uh, no. That they don't capitalize on your alcoholism, on your gambling. Tendencies, your weaknesses, yes. your weaknesses, and what I wanted to do is portray a demon as they really are, as intelligent as they are. So in that book, he's speaking valid dead languages <coughs> and trying to humiliate. Yeah, I was I was having a problem because I think I even messaged you because 
you know, I, I couldn't even out loud say the demon's name, and I think I actually looked it up, and there really was a demon by that yes. name. But yeah, I no, that's, 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 that's it out loud. <laughs> yeah, we did our, yeah, good for you, don't. Yeah. He's real, and, and my writing is exactly how his personality is portrayed right. over 600 years of history. Uh, so that's how smart he is and, and uh, you know, how he can manipulate it and he can oppress. And uh, the book is actually selling much better in Europe and in the U.K., uh, but it's, it's rated fairly high. And uh, I'm very proud of that work because it took a lot of, a lot of research to do that one. It, uh, it did, yeah, and tell. we were even doing research for Banish 2 uh, when Ed actually had his second uh, attack, and he was actually writing about the demon, not the, de- the, the new demon actually is a um, twin, supposedly, of the other demon. There's a hierarchy in hell, yeah. and there's... Yeah. The various demons are ranked, and they have their various titles. Yeah. And they have their various numbers of legions of minions. And uh, this, the, the demon in Banished actually has what's called a twin brother. Right. I, I won't say the name. No. But Banished two, Banished 2 was going to be him seeking revenge. And Ed actually was writing this that sentence with the name in it, and that's when... That's when I had my heart attack. Had heart attack, and, uh, yeah. Really? Uh, See, I didn't yep. know that this, but I already felt it. So I felt yeah. like a uh, danger here, yeah. you know, to even uh, mention it. Right. Don't. Uh, there are college kids sharks. When something. I was looking this one up, and there, it was popular, apparently still is, is a popular demon among the college group. And they, you can go to YouTube and get directions on how to call this demon, and he will appear. Well, they were, I got a hold of one that, that creeped me out so bad that I, I just wanted to throw the computer in, into the lake um, that I watched it and couldn't believe what I was seeing. And this one college kid was giving uh, a whole step-by-step, blow-by-blow what was going on, and he couldn't get rid of it. And the fear in his voice and what was happening was just chilling to the bone. And I said, Ed, I don't think, I want to go, let's let's make one up, because this is really scaring me. I I, I go for authenticity, so a lot of people, when they read my work, if you read Death List, uh, the characters in there are people that I've known, whether they're tasteful or distasteful. Yeah. Uh, the crimes, I can't get into the detail of uh, of the abuse. I love the detail of revenge. Right. Uh, but everything, the ballistics and everything I use as far, it's all very highly accurate. Uh, a lot of the things that happen within the book have happened. And uh, I, 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 I write what I call novelized nonfiction. And... Uh, and I, I enjoy it. I, uh, my two favorite letters I've got, one of them is uh, A Trip Back in Time is my least seller. It doesn't sell very well. Uh, that was a bedtime story for our granddaughters. It's a very, very kind mm-hmm. book. and It's a nostalgic book with a lot of pop culture in it. But I have a letter from a person who said that they read A Trip Back in Time, 
they keep it on their nightstand on the same page that they read before they go to bed every night. It makes them feel good. And yeah, because they're uh-huh. they're uh, early baby boomer, and uh, I thought that was probably the highest compliment. I yes, could get. definitely. Uh, and then with famished, famished is very very gory. So my favorite email on that one was uh, I got through my website was a person who said, I loved famish. I just can't finish it. Pretty good. Oh, yeah. I love it. I just can't finish it. Uh, it's too gory, you know. That's something. I'm going to tell you. But everything in it is real. The condition is real. Right. What I described uh, in layman's terms is real. Uh, the fact that meth can make you, I mean, now that's proof. The book was almost prophetic because now all of a sudden people are taking bites out of each other. Right. And uh, it's well, in the news all the time. Another, even a drug like that that is even keeping people, it's a yep. horrible drug in Russia that people, are, their hands are falling off. And, and yes. you know, they're, they're, it's horrible. And they look at their own body parts and they still keep using it. You know, I know. it's just uh, horrifying, you know, but. I was just reading another review, and actually, uh, the Dan in the book he gave you a review, and he yes. says, "Yes, I'm the Dan. I'm the Dave mentioned in the book." So the right. Becker's account of the events that he recalled was like it happened yesterday, and he says yes. the events I remembered about the building are so true. And until he read the book, he had not remembered many of the unspoken events that changed his life, and. Uh, it's kind of incredible. And then I have yeah. a, another review. I love these reviews because people are really going to detail about this. one's by Stacey Burns. And it's rare that I write a review about books I read. Mostly he, she likes films. But anyway, but not this book. <laughs> Evan Becker yeah. is straightforward and to the point as it gets when it comes to his personal experience. Taking place in the early 70s, the Becker, and it starts talking yeah. about everything. He says, uh, the way uh, he says, Something unlike all the ghost accounts out there, this book does not suffer the same fate as a lot of well-meaning books on subject. Publishers like Spice and Thrills, and at times the authors are forced into a corner and write embellishments, but you guys didn't. And this, this, she said this book suffers from none of this. So I highly advise you to get this book and uh, all the other ones, too. So I've got about four of your books there. I'm gonna uh, keep ordering and keep getting. I, I just I love them so much and yeah. very interesting and you know I tell you, just, people, uh, go ahead. people have been so kind yeah. that I can't explain it. I uh, a, an Oxford student got permission, I guess, from his professor to use me as a uh, interview uh, e for for uh, a term paper, and I did this. He sent me. A, I he wrote me and I agreed to do it. And uh, he sent me this lengthy interview, and uh, I did it the way I would want it done if I were a student. And uh, so I took my time. I returned it to him. And uh-huh. and then Oxford put out a huge Edwin Becker blog Isn't that in, the, in the U.K. <laughs> and uh, I came across it. was like, holy smokes. Uh, I mean, with pictures and everything else. And, and uh, That's quite the compliment. Yeah, and, and Melina Ruse, uh, the Canadian uh, international reviewer, uh, she said, I, she said, I want to inter- review your book. And she mentioned a website that she was going to post a review on. And I, I said, no, because I, I, uh, the website was dedicated to fiction. 
mm-hmm. not nonfiction. And I said, my book is nonfiction. And I hated to do that because you don't want to piss off a reviewer, you know. <laughs> no. Uh, so I told right. her, no, I'm not going to let you review the book. Well, she went ahead and she got, I, I told her I'd be happy to send her a copy, which I did do. Uh, she went ahead and she read the book. And the next thing I knew, she posted it on, on her page, five-star reviews, reviews only. And uh, then she did a major write-up and a blog on it. Oh, she's a sweet lady. And it was like, I can't even tell you how many people have done so kind things. Uh, unsolicited. Uh, some of them I find out months later. One of my fans will send me, did you see this page? You know, and <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, people have just been so kind. Well, you know what I think it is? People recognize the truth when they see it. Yes, it's true, and, and uh, we, you're the real yeah. people. It really happened to you. Uh, you're you're awesome. You're smart. Uh, you guys are uh, are just so honest and truthful. You know, it's refreshing, and uh, you know, you have so many friends, and I think you make everybody family. You know what I mean? Oh, so, sure. You know, that's why you know you're just an incredible couple, really. And uh, I I think this is all it's supposed to be, and um, I'm, I'm just impressed, you know. It's not often I'll read a book three times in a row like that, but I have done with this and the other ones. I pick them up and I start reading them again, and it's just uh, it's just wonderful. Aww. Now, it's it's great. And now you have a, a show, Marshall. Tell us about your show. Well, Ed produces it. I have a partner, Geraldine Baus. Uh, she's an empath and a medium. We thought about this for quite a while. And we were seeing and hearing things on other shows that just, you know, we thought, why are they doing this? So one day we said, hey, if we want to do something about it, let's make it, do it different. We want to get out and make a difference. That's the way to do it. We'll just be who we are and we'll follow what feels right. And that's the way we try to keep it. Uh, There's only one rule on my show and it's called respect. And the callers know that they have to respect the the guest. Um, you know, no, we don't agree with every single thing we're told. We're not idiots, but at the same time, uh, we try to keep a very open mind. We we just love uh, what our Earth Angel segment. I think is probably typifies what we try to accomplish. That's my favorite. Thing. And that and that is that to to let acknowledge people who are kind. Yes. The kindness should be rewarded. Kindness should be acknowledged. Simple things. I mean, right. Marsha and I uh, didn't want to dominate that because we've had so many earth angels in our life. I mean, this last winter, I couldn't figure it out. We we moved here. We're new in the neighborhood, actually. It was our first winter here. And I got up, and it snowed about four inches. And I, I said, oh, God, well, I'm in trouble because I can't shovel. And I wouldn't go to let her shovel. But I opened the garage door, and I... Driveway and, and walkway is clean. Yeah, and it was like, what the hell, you know? <laughs> and well, the next time it snowed about four inches, five inches, got up the next morning, and our driveway and our walkway is clean. And it was like, who's doing this? I didn't get any bill. No one, you know. Well, I, it turned out I was up early one morning and uh, didn't feel that well, and I got up like three in the morning, and I went out to the garage to smoke a cigarette because we don't smoke in the house. And I, I start hearing something on my driveway, scraping. And I open the door, and it's a neighbor from two doors down. I didn't even know him that well. Wow. Right. But, but he knew us to, to know that we're, 
and capable of doing that and uh, just well, took it at well, his own. Uh, you have real no, neighbors. You know, yes. Yeah, I mean, no reward, no nothing. Uh, I, I just smiled at him and said, I'm so grateful, thank you. And he, he, he just tipped his hat and, and ran back to his house. We, we've had some very unique things happen. And um, I've only told this one time, I'll try to make it quick. When I was in the hospital with double pneumonia and sepsis uh, a year ago, September, um, it was, I was not in good condition. And things were going from bad to worse. And my family was being told, you know, basically, maybe, <laughs> you know, no guarantees that things aren't well. So I'm laying there. And Ed's sleeping in the chair next to the bed, which I hated because he had just had a knee operation. And I ended up making him go home. But that partic- he had to stay the first night. And so I'm watching the door because I have this really stupid fear of things. And I'm thinking anything walks through that door, I'm in big trouble because I'm weak and I'm sick. And they're telling me I've only got a 40% chance of walking out of here. I was just didn't know what I was going to do, and I feel someone take my hand, and I look on my left, and there's young men standing there. You know, he could not have gotten in without me seeing him. My bed's right by the door. He took my hand, in both his hands, and he looked down at me, and I thought, wow, those are the kindest eyes I have ever seen. I was just mesmerized by his eyes. And he just said, I know they're telling you that things are very bad and that you might not make it. He said, that's not going to be the case. You're going to be just fine. And he said, and I'm going to stay right here. You can go to sleep now. So I looked over to see if Ed, I was going to say, did you see this? And, of course, Ed, he sound asleep. And so I turned back. I'm snoring. All right. Yeah, all, all in a matter of like two seconds, okay? I turned back. He's gone. But I did go to sleep. And I woke up the next morning to what they do, pay everybody taking vitals, and they're fussing with me. And, you know, I'm they're, they cannot believe it. I no longer have a fever. My vitals are all normal. And basically, they just said, well, we're going to watch it for a couple of days. But really, I could have gone home. And I stayed for a couple of days. I said, what am I doing here? Now, if you know, I don't like to throw the word angel around flippantly, but I know in my heart what that was. I asked I the nurses. Yeah, I just have tears in my eyes yes. because I know that, uh, that was the answer to your concerns in prayer, really. Yes. You know, you had a deep concern, and that's when they show up is when you're genuinely just uh, concerned. And, you know, that's I never, I, the nurses never saw anybody like that. Nobody worked there that had that description. And, but, you know, Shard, you're right. I couldn't, if I had to, I couldn't paint his face. But I won't forget those eyes. And there was, I was just, you know, struck, and I couldn't turn away. And I'm thinking everything's fine, everything's wonderful, yeah. I'm feeling really good, and wondering what kind of medicine they just gave me, because I'm feeling, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm feeling way too good. So, it, 
you do try to rationalize, but I don't that much because our life has been so bizarre, and I've just decided I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to go with it. No, you both have been through so much, and you both are recovering, and you're going to be okay. And I know there's been a scare for you guys, but, you know, I don't know why it's happening, but I know you're overcoming it, and I knew you were going to pull through okay. You know, well, we've got lots uh, of work to do, Shar. People like you, yeah, you and do. me and Jerry. Thank you. We have, we have we work to do. Going. That's you right. Know, we're here for a purpose, and it doesn't matter what's happening to us physically. We just have to keep going. That's, That's right. That's the message I keep getting. Well, I don't care how you feel. It's still time you have to do this. You have to do that. Oh, God, all right. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I get it. To, I, I pray to, to know and do God's will. You know what I mean? So I yes. try to. To do that, you know. So, how can they uh, find your? Tell us about your show. Where can you find us Wednesday nights? Uh, Blog talk uh, Wednesday nights. We always have our ads out there on our Facebook page, or you can go to www.theparanormalangels.com, and all past shows and links are put on there. Um, I do run my angels helping angels auctions. Just got done with one today, actually, and I'm about ready to start another one. Um, Jerry, my partner in crime, has just mm-hmm. been diagnosed with lupus on top of her MS, and mm-hmm. um, so I'm going to be running an, another auction uh, starting in a few days for the Lupus Foundation and research. So, uh, yeah, people, I'd love it if you would, everybody would keep their eye out. 100% goes to whatever charity is picked. I uh, don't. You, you, your time's up. Uh, if you, if you want to buy my books, it's www.edwinbecker.com. And True Haunting has www.truehaunting.com. All by itself, yes. And i got to sell books or Marcia won't increase my allowance. <laughs> I, I get well, an allowance gotta, increase. Well, we've got to get it's that bad. information out there because they're very good reads. And encourage your friends to buy the books because we've got to keep Marsha going. And <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's okay. Wow. Yeah, as you saw, she's buying she's buying guns and bullets. And, hey. Uh, oh, yeah, that nice gun there, lady. I Isn't that pretty? That. Yeah, I Very like that. <laughs> and you've, had, you've actually had shooting range uh, training. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's That's certified. Yeah, I'm, cer- I'm certified, all right. Certified. <laughs> I am certified. And you better watch out, crooks. Uh, just leave them alone because she's going to shoot That's you. right. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel nobody should be a victim. That's right. That's and right. everybody should learn. Well, it's like I said, seniors now, we're, we're no longer looked up as elders. We're looked, up, we're looked at prey, as prey now. And we're a drain on the system and we're That's prey. True. And, uh, I mean, sad. all you got to do is... All you gotta do is read the news and you see the knockout game and <laughs> and whose houses are getting invaded and things like that. Uh, they're preying on us, and uh, I just won't have any of it. Just be strong, and uh, yeah, because there's a concern over where I'm. Uh, I work. Um, we just all are, are very concerned, and there was talk that we're now allowed to bring tasers and stuff like that to work. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I should really kind of kind of edge my way out of that job. <laughs> so I have to bring a taser. I'm like, come on, I, I can barely walk in the office. I can't carry a taser, and I don't know what to say. Well, I think you just well, have you to... Well, 
do what I do. As long as they don't have a metal detector, the hell with them. You bring what you want. And, <laughs> I, I mean, I keep one in my pocket like my wallet. And, and uh, a, three, a Smith & Wesson uh, Bodyguard 380, you can't see it. No one ever recognizes it. And I take it everywhere, and I, I don't care. I, I'm not going to be caught. Well, what's going on is there's so much more violence and, uh, a, 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 you know, a strange thing happened to a friend of mine because I started realizing when she has been losing her sight and it's even dwindling even worse, I said, I have to tell you something, and you're a target now. And she was like, oh, no. I said, no, you're a target. So I want you to actually take self-defense or something like that. She didn't do that. But um, she was in one of those, you know, those, uh, you make an appointment and they, I don't know, I think they're called Ace out here or something like that. They come and the cars come and get you, you know. Uh, oh, okay, yes. yeah, Before yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, so the car came and got her, but the car didn't leave right away. She asked the driver, "Can you, and this is part of that Pace programmer. I don't know, I can't remember, maybe I'm not supposed to recall the name of this organization, but anyway. It's when they pick up everybody, go to the hospital, whatever. So she's going to the Braille Institute. And he, I waited with the car running for at least five, ten minutes. And she asked him, could you please lock the door? He didn't lock the door. You know a man opened that car door in the back and robbed her? Took her purse oh and everything God. else. He never oh. aggressively went after it. And I went, you were just set up, you poor thing. You're like a <sighs> trapped in the back. I don't know why she didn't get up and get out. Because I had yeah. warned her before, yeah, I, mean, I said, first don't time, let anybody take you away. No. You know, yeah, I, I've I said, never don't felt carry vulnerable. a big old purse with you. Exactly. Well, you don't. Yeah. Exactly. Like, who's going to mess with you? Because you're, how tall are you, Ed? Six well, three. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. I never felt vulnerable until now because I boxed in my youth. I took martial arts when I was a little older. Yeah. And nobody's going to pick on me. I haven't been picked on since I was in no. kindergarten or something. But now with a right. pacemaker... Anything, I can't do anything. I'm, I'm basically, uh, you know, anything could be a threat to me now. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, a, it's a vulnerable feeling. And Marsh is a little tiny thing. No. So, uh, you know, it's a vulnerable feeling. But, you know, I think that you've got to protect yourself and do what you have to do. And, uh, you know, it's gotten scary where I work, and I'm not sure I can take that stress, you know, because we're worrying about stuff every day. I just had to yeah. hear a bunch yeah. of stuff. We get bomb scares because we're right in the city hall and stuff mm. like that. So I'm, I only have to do four more years before I retire. But, you know, it's just gotten a little scarier. Everything's a little meaner, a little rougher. Yeah. You know, people are less polite, you know. So that's why it's good that, you know, everybody's working on the side of the good and the light, like everybody was talking about in chat, the light. That's uh, right. People be positive and but be strong at the same time, because I, I don't believe in rolling over or laying down. No. I put out my cartoon Ed last week. <laughs> I said, you know, does everybody know <laughs> that kindness that. kindness doesn't cost you anything? No, you know, it, it costs doesn't. you nothing to be kind. And uh, why not, you know? Now you'll sleep better. Well, I want to thank okay. you guys so much for being with us tonight. Oh, uh, thank you, Char. We really, really enjoyed the show. And uh, God bless you guys so much. And, uh, of course, we you know we see each other every day on Facebook. And, you betcha. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, tune in to the Paranormal Angels on Wednesday night. And uh, go get the books, uh, True Haunting by Edwin Becker. And you can find it all on Amazon. He has many other books, too. And uh, God bless you guys. And um, keep up the good work. 
You too, Char. We love you. you. Thank you. Good night. We love you too. Take care. Good night, you guys. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in. Uh, There's so many of you kind and faithful friends that are in chat and are listening and messaging me on Facebook. Uh, I just want to let you know how much uh, I love you guys and thank you for your support. You know, in October, on Halloween night, actually, is the anniversary. It'll be our two-year anniversary, so... I'm getting together, you know, ghost uh, um, stories and plans for people to call in, and I think we're just going to have a, a Halloween special of some kind because it is our two-year anniversary. So let me know on Facebook. That's where you can find me. And uh, and let me know if you want to be part of that show. So there will be a three-hour special, and we're going to have lots of guests. It's going to be Halloween night. So... Uh, do let me know if you want to be part of the show and God bless you and uh, see you again next Friday. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.